Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. I got to give a little disclaimer. Yesterday, and so many things that were happening, it's been a fantastic weekend. I know we have over a thousand kids that are playing in our sports league, and so we've got softball and baseball cranking up, and the H-Pack was just crawling with activity and life, and, and then we sponsored, we hosted a 5K, the Jordan Gotro 5K Fun Run. Whoever put the word fun with run? Had to be a little mental. Come on, somebody. Do we have any long-distance runners in the house? Okay, two of you. (laughs) How many of you are only running if something big and scary is chasing you? Well, yesterday I decided, and this is no training whatsoever. I didn't warm up to this. I didn't prepare for it. I decided I was going to run that 5K. They didn't tell me that a 5K is 3.1 miles. How many have an issue with just 0.1 mile? (laughs) Yeah, that was me. So I'm I'm hobbling this morning. My body, does your body talk to you? The older I get, the louder my body. I got parts of my body that are saying, hello. My back hurts, my knees ache, my calf muscle. Y'all just extend your hands toward the stage. (laughs) Pastor's fighting off that old man. Oh, man. Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, we're talking about, the title of the message today is simply this, the centurion difference, the centurion difference. I want to give you information today, it's going to be a little unique, it's going to be a little more education, um, maybe a little more note taking, we say that history makers are note takers. So I want you to write down a few things, got a lot of scripture to run through. But this story in Luke chapter 7, I think, is gold. There's a gold mine of information within this one text. And I think it has the potential to make a difference in our marriage, to make a difference in our friendships, in our relationships, the dynamic of our workplace, where we go to school. This is a game changer, the centurion difference. Luke chapter 7, starting with verse 2. The Bible says, at that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, somebody say heard, hadn't met him, but simply heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. They said, look, Jesus, if anyone deserves your help, it's this man. He does, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. Now, keep in mind, this is under the the, the time when the Jewish nation was under Roman military occupation. The Romans and the Jews were not friends. Yet these Jewish leaders beckoned Jesus' help. Hey, this man's given a lot of money. He's helped to build the church that we worship in. You gotta go. Look what the Bible says in verse six. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home. I'm not even worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word. 
I want you to circle that phrase, underline that phrase in your Bible. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Look at Jesus' response, verse nine. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. How many thinks Jesus is amazing? And when you amaze what's amazing, how many thinks you better pay attention? When Jesus is amazed, it's a big deal and it demands further investigation. Scripture says Jesus was amazed. So he turned to the crowd that was following him and he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, guess what? They found the slave completely healed. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Oh, this is so good. So good. This is called the centurion difference. I think this message is so appropriate for us in the modern church era and even in the current culture in which we live. We can learn something from this centurion. I think sometimes it takes an outsider. Remember, the Romans were pagans. They didn't worship God. But yet this guy had discovered something that can teach all of us, I feel, what we have missed. Jesus, they said, this guy deserves your help. He, he, he's friendly to our cause. He built us a space to worship. And what's interesting to me is Jesus immediately goes. Now, I wonder how many times people came to Jesus and said, look, I got a need. Can you come to my house? Uh, please, just, just a few minutes of your time. I live right down the road. And with all the responsibilities that Jesus held and, and the demand upon him personally, you can only do so much. Yet this, in this instant, Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to go to this Roman officer's house. But yet the centurion had an upgraded idea. He said, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second. Sometimes it takes an outsider to teach insiders a lesson on something that we miss. And if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down because this, this centurion teaches us several things. And the first is this. Number one, he understood authority. This Roman soldier understood authority. Now, let me give you some sub-points underneath this big idea. First of all, we need to understand that all authority comes from God. Amen. Can I have a better amen? amen? Now, I know there are different things that kind of begin to, to go off in our minds. We have different alarms and, and different uh, thoughts surrounding authority. Sometimes we think of corrupt authority. We think of those who have abused authority. There may be a slight resistance or reluctance to really embrace this. But do you know everything God created, he designed with divine authority. How many of you enjoy this beautiful weather? Man, you wake up and you just see the glory and the splendor of God and you're like, God, you're so good. Do you know that all, all of nature was created under the contingency of authority? It flows through divine design under authority. Families have a certain authority. There's a structure built within the family unit with God at the head. And then as it flows down, you see how God ordained families to operate. Um, churches have authority. 
The Bible talks about in Ephesians 4, there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There's different assignments, but there's a structure in which the church is able to move forward because it's under authority. Even government, for for nations to operate, there has to be a construct, an order, if you will. And the Bible tells us in Romans 13 that all authority comes from God. But here's what I want you to know. You will never have authority if you're not willing to be under authority. Can I have a better amen? You see, everybody likes to give orders, but few people like to take them. Come on, talk to me now. You know, I I, I thought about this earlier this week. Um, I'll I'll walk through the office, and I love our staff. We've got a dynamic staff. This is a team that's committed to serve you. They love this house. They're fully embraced the mission of being a healing place for a hurting world. I'll walk through the office, and I'll just kind of walk up and down the cubicles, and I'll see people that are working on projects, and deadlines are being met, and uh, projects are being completed. The mission is moving forward. What does that say? It says, I'm in charge. I'm in authority. I'll walk into the bedrooms of my children and I'll see the clothes are all folded and put away. The beds are nicely and neatly made. There's nothing out of place. What does that say? It says, I'm in charge. This is my authority. Come home at the end of a long day. My slippers are waiting for me right by my favorite recliner. Sweet tea is on that stand next to, right next to the remote control. The TV's already on ESPN. I smell a warm meal on the stove. What does that say? I'm in the wrong house. I think I'm going to stay on this side of the, 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 the stage today. You see, everybody likes to give orders. Nobody likes to take them. Come on, somebody. Now, when we talk about authority, I think it's important. You've got to be willing to submit to authority if you're going to be entrusted with authority. This Roman centurion recognized the authority of Jesus, did he not? He said, whoa, whoa, wait, Jesus, don't even come to my house. I'm not even worthy for you to come. I recognize the authority of the Almighty. And then he says, wait a second now, I'm a a soldier In the Roman army, he first spoke of the authority he was under. He says, I have superior officers, and and I answer to what they tell me to do. And then only then did he begin to speak of the responsibility he had of others. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, stay, and he stays. You know, authority is not a power grab. Can I have a good amen? Some people want to use authority for their own selfish gain and purposes. Jesus, every time he spoke of authority, he says, I'm under the authority of my heavenly Father. In fact, in John 13, the Bible says, all authority of heaven and earth was given to Jesus. And what did he do with that authority over? He served those under The scripture says he took a towel from around his waist and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Are you with me, church? All authority comes from God, but we'll never walk in authority if we're not willing to submit to authority. Now, here's the third thing I want you to see under this big idea. The third thing is this. Authority is never released in silence. You have to speak it. This officer, and he's a centurion. Now, 
centurion, century, a hundred years. Centurion officers were over a hundred men. This guy had a hundred men in his regiment, and he knew that if he were to tell one of them to go do this, that man would carry out his instruction. If he were to say to another, I want you to stay right here and do this, then that officer stayed. In other words, the guy understood, whenever I speak, things happen. Can I tell you this? If you understand the authority of God, whenever he speaks, things happen. Watch this. Up until this point, boy, this is good now. Now dial in, right? Up until this point, every miracle Jesus had ever performed, he was physically present. He had to be there. Nobody knew that this was an option until the Roman centurion says, wait, 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 wait a second. Lord, you don't even have to come. I don't need your presence because your word is good enough. Listen, if you have his word, come on somebody. Sometimes we think, you know, Lord, it would be so much easier, Jesus, if you were physically with me. Can I tell you this? He has sent us his word. And his word is as good as his presence. Nobody had any idea. Wait, is it an option? Jesus, you don't have to physically be at my house. You see, this soldier understood something important. He understood authority. It was almost as if, if God would speak it, then things would begin to happen. Voice activated. Some of you have a home automation system. You know what you can do with your voice? You can turn your lights on with your voice. Isn't that amazing? You can walk into your house and just say how you want the thermostat to adjust. Isn't that crazy? You can lock the doors. You can turn on the lights just by saying the word. You know, my dad had a way of getting things done with not being physically present. He would come to me and say, son, I want this room picked up. And then he would take his belt off. You remember those days? And see, we didn't have timeout like 35, 40 years. How many wish you grew up with timeout? How many of you, your timeout was the belt? And I can still hear my daddy's belt coming through those loops. <laughs> he would drape that belt over the door. He'd say, son, I'm going to go now, but when I get back, I want this room cleaned. How many know that belt was talking to me? Daddy was gone, but the belt was symbolic that the word was working. Come on, could I have a good amen? Guess what? God hasn't given us a belt. This is not some punishment. This is a love letter. He's given us his word. And he says, look, you may not see me, but guess what? I've left you with my word, and my word is as good as my presence. <laughs> Authority is never released in silence. When God speaks, things begin to happen. Now, now let, 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 let's move to this second thought, okay? In fact, sometimes I remember, uh, you know, when the kids were little growing up, I would say, hey, now listen, if, if you guys, if you make good grades and then, you know, you, you score this, I know report card is coming out next week. If you get these good grades, then the following week, we're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. And you kind of make, how many parents have made like promises like that? And you say that on a Monday, but you have forgotten it by Wednesday. Guess what? Your kids have not forgotten that. And they bring home that report card and they're like, hey, 
Chuck E. Cheese. You're like, well, wait, no, no, no. I said the grades. Like, no, daddy, you told me, but you said. How many know they hold us to our word? You may have forgotten it, but they haven't. When we pray, we need to take this book with us into the prayer closet. And not that God has forgotten, but it's good to speak back to him the things he has spoken to us. Lord, when I pray, I'm not praying my will, I'm praying your word. And God, your word says, how many know you can hold God to his word? Bible says, man, God is not a man that he should lie, but neither the son of man that he should repent. But if he says it, he'll do it. And if he's spoken it, he will make it good. You see, this Roman officer, he understood authority. But number two, he carried a spirit of honor. Somebody say honor. Now, this is big. Let's camp out on this for a little bit. Because you can understand authority, but honor is your response to that authority. Okay? Honor is hard to find, but it's easy to recognize. In fact, if if you do a word study... Uh, Greek or Hebrew on the word honor, you're going to find that that word means weighty. It means heavy. It means to place proper value on something or someone. When you give honor, you understand the gravity or the weight, the importance of this moment, of this individual. In fact, the opposite of weighty or heavy would be light. Now think about it. If honor means heavy, dishonor means light. What you make light of, you eventually lose. You with me? You following this? You see, what you deem important, you place high value upon, has the potential to bless your life. Honor is a spirit. And if you want to know God, you've got to turn on the switch of honor. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 2.30, this is God speaking. He says this, I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. How many thinks it's a good idea when it comes to our relationship with God that we bring honor into the equation? You know, and, and I want to give you a list of areas that I feel like is so important for us. This is practical. It's simple. But again, this could make a big difference in the nature of your relationships. I want you to see how God uses a spirit of honor to bless. When it comes to God, we must approach him with honor. You know, one of the ways to honor God is by making a commitment to God's house. You know, you've done that today. I I love that. I love that when when Sundays roll around, this house is full because you've made a decision out of respect for the Lord. How many of you, God's been good to you? How many of you have, have experienced the blessings of God in your life and you feel a sense of responsibility that comes with that? That's the motivation. We don't come to church out of obligation. Man, we come here to honor the Lord. And so, you know, when, when, with, with, at our house, you know, we, we've got three children. And when kids outnumber the parents, how many know you don't run it as a democracy? Nobody's taken a vote in my house. Guess what? I am an authoritarian. We know Saturday night, we already know what Sunday morning's going to look like. Sunday morning, wake up, man, it's not up for debate. Man, there is no discussion. Guess what? We go into the house of God. You know why? Because we want to honor the Lord. 
Sunday is the Lord's day. Now, every day belongs to God, but we deem Sunday as the Lord's day. It's the first day of the week. It's not the last day. So we honor him giving him our first fruits. Uh, I'm, I'm coming to your house, and guess what, Lord? I'm coming on time. How many things it honors God when you come to the house of God on time? How many of you, it might be a little tricky if you had a meeting with the governor scheduled for 10 o'clock and you showed up at 1045? Oh, it's getting quiet in this Methodist church. Seems like, is this a Methodist church? When you show up on time, it speaks of honor to the Lord. God, I recognize my life is not my own. I'm prioritizing you. This is your house, and Lord, I'm bringing you my best. I think in, even in worship, and I, I, love, I make it a practice in worship to give God my very best. I'm not coming to church on a Sunday just checking a box. Man, when I come, I'm engaging my heart and my mind and my spirit. And I feel like we are blessed with some of the best worship on the planet. In fact, the other day, several weeks ago, worship was going on and things were happening. Man, I was just kind of feeling it. How many of you, sometimes in worship, you feel it? Man, you just, I mean, now I know we live by faith, not by feelings, but I'm glad to be a part of a church that can use feelings to fuel your faith. And man, worship was going on, and man, it was, it was happening in here, man. And I was just like, ooh, oh yeah, oh yeah, here we go. Here we go, God's moving. And, st- and I've always wanted to be able to dance, and I don't dance very well. I mean, it's this pit of, I, I mean, the best I can do is this right here. This is the best I can But on the inside, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh. I mean, look. And I know, look, I'm, I'm pasty white on the outside, but on the inside, there's a soul brother that's trapped. <laughs> He's trying to break loose. I feel, I'm feeling. So look, we were doing some worship right here on this front row. And I started just jumping. And, look, and I got to be careful because <laughs> I told you my body's hurting. I caught a cramp. This three weeks ago in worship, I caught a cramp in my calf muscle. I kind of went down, I stumbled, kind of, you know, I'm falling on the front row and Rachel's like, baby, you okay? I'm thinking, man, what would happen if I fell out at that moment in worship? People would think the Holy Ghost done hit the pastor, revival breaking out. Hey, look, how many of you, when you come to the house of God, you want to give him everything? Hey, and, and that's why, look, I didn't come here to get, I came here to give. God has already given me more than enough. I come here to honor him with my worship. Lord, I'm not, and look, and I don't care what other people think about me. I didn't come here to entertain. I came here to give God my all. Come on, put your hands together. If you believe that honors the Lord. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Mm -mm -mm. I didn't come to impress anybody. Oh, listen, Jesus knows me inside and out. God, I came to give you everything. And then then when you tithe, when you give, when you give of your first fruit, the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9, honor, somebody say honor, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best, somebody say the best, the best part of everything that you produce. When we give in tithe and offering, you know, last Sunday, I stood before you and I challenged you. I said, in Mozambique, Africa, we're about to launch a third campus. But we can't do that unless we have a utility 
truck. Remember when I said that? How many of you were here last week and you remember that? And you know what happened? You guys gave. You responded. In fact, so much resource came in that we had enough to buy not one, but almost two trucks. Come on, somebody. Somebody say honor. Listen, your worship honors God. Your giving honors God. Your commitment to this house honors the Lord. And he says, when you honor me, oh, I'm going to place honor upon you. It's important to honor God. Now, here's the, underneath this little list, I got this running list. I think it's important that we honor government leaders. Now, we were all celebrating and shouting. (laughs) We were about ready to break out and dance. (laughs) Can I tell you this, though? It it bothers me. I want to say this to you as your pastor. It bothers me what I see in the church realm as it relates to politics. The animosity, the disrespect... Oh my goodness. I mean, it's, politics is so polarizing. And if we're not careful as a church, we'll get drawn into something and we'll have the same cynicism. Come on now. That same spirit. The Bible says, pray for your government leaders. Now, let me teach you something very simple. And this is what Rachel and I tell our children. And this is not about Democrat or Republican. I don't care who's in the White House. I'm going to tell you what. My life has been blessed regardless of what administration has been in the White House. But we teach our children, you honor the position and you pray for the person. Honor the office that they carry. Now listen, just because you honor the position doesn't mean you endorse the person. It doesn't mean you endorse the behavior. Can I have a good amen? And this is where I feel so, oh, I just feel so strongly about this. The church is the bride of Christ. God has called us to a higher level of excellence. There's a standard that we walk in. Let's don't be drugged down in the muck and the mire of some political mudslinging. And then we find ourselves behaving exactly like the world. There's got to be a different spirit in the church. In fact, I was reading the other day in 1 Peter chapter 2. This is fascinating. In 1 Peter chapter 2, the apostle Peter writes this letter and he said this phrase, honor the emperor. And I thought, hmm, Peter says to honor the emperor, there must have been a good emperor on the throne. That's why he said it. Well, I did a little study. Peter wrote those words on about 62, 63 AD. You know who the the Roman emperor was at that time? Nero, the most wicked, vile, perverse emperor in Roman history. Do you know Nero would take Christians and torture them? He would impale them, cover their body in this tar, this pitch, light their bodies on fire, and hang them in his garden where he would drive in his backyard under the torch of Christians burning. You know, Nero was the one that had Peter crucified. And yet Peter says, honor the emperor. Listen, church, we've got to respect the office. We've got to honor the position and pray for the person. We've got to look past their their failures. And, and, And this is bipartisan. Can I have a better amen? 
Let's set the example in our culture. Uh, B. Johnson said this, a culture of honor is celebrating who a person is without stumbling over who they are not. Why is it that we honor? Listen, we honor the position because we are people of honor. When you give honor, it says more about you than the individual you're directing it to. Come on, can you help me today? So we honor the Lord. We honor government leaders. Listen, we honor church leaders. We honor pastors. And I I hesitate saying this because it sounds self-serving, and I don't mean this directed toward me. I feel like we have an amazing staff and pastors, preachers, and leaders in this church. Come on, let's honor them. They work hard. Look at what the scripture says when it comes to pastors and leaders. 1 Timothy 5, 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of what? Double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and in teaching. Now listen, many of you know that at Healing Place, we don't put any stock in titles. At HPC, it's not about a title, it's about a towel. So people say, well, what do we call you? I mean, we, we know you're our pastor, but what, 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 do, what do we call you? What, what title do we give you? I don't care what you call me. Uh, listen, my parents call me son. My children call me dad. My wife calls me hunk of hunk of burning love. <laughs> you call me by whatever level I speak into your life. If I speak into your life as your pastor, you call me pastor. Some people want to call me bishop. (laughs) See that right there? Zoom in right there. Check that out. (laughs) I don't care about titles, but it's a spirit. Come on, honor is a spirit. And when you place honor on spiritual leaders, the blessing on them, oh, come on now, it finds its way to you. I tell all of our pastors, and there are people that occupy this pulpit. We've got a great staff of teachers and preachers and leaders. You know what I tell them? Uh, This is always the conversation. Uh, Johnny can tell you this. David can tell you this. Our team, those that occupy this, this moment. I tell them, when you get up there, make sure you honor the people. Honor the people. Thank the people. Listen, we don't come up here lording a a position over anybody. We say, thank you for your heart to serve. Man, when you give, when you sacrifice, you know what it does? It inspires us. But if we had a culture of honor within the church, think about the blessing that rests upon the house. You know who else we honor? We honor the elderly. I want to speak to this younger generation just for a moment. Honor the elderly. I was taught as a kid growing up, my parents, and I never really understood this until recently, but they said, Mike, if you are seated and an older person walks into the room, stand to your feet. How many of you were taught that as a kid growing up? I really, I was like, okay, I didn't really understand that. Why? You know, Leviticus 19 tells us to do just that, to stand up in the presence of an older person Offer your seat to them. I really feel like that we miss something valuable if we don't respect those who have more mileage, those who have more experience, those who have more wisdom. Come on, somebody. We forfeit an opportunity to draw out of them precious life experience. We've got to honor this older generation. You know what else we honor? We honor our spouse. How many married couples do we have in the house? 
Oh, yes. This is big. This could bring healing into some relationship because some of you started with honor when you first got married, and over the years, it's just kind of drifted into disrespect. You once were soulmates, but now you just see yourself as roommates. Come on, somebody. This is how to bring healing into a marriage. You know, Rachel and I, we have been married this July. We will have been married for 24 years. 24! Dated for four years, married for 24, and we got three kids, Eeny, Meeny, and Mighty. <laughs> Come on, just one more, please, baby. Just one more, please. One. She said no. Okay. You know, I never walk in front of Rachel when we walk into a public place. I don't walk up in there like, hey, this is the Mike Heyman parade. That girl, just my shadow. Yeah, hey, wa- waving to all the adoring masses. We don't do that. She walks either beside me or she walks in front of me. Why? Because I want to honor her. I speak well of her in front of you. I speak well of her in front of my children. I tell my son all the time, Trevor, don't you ever let your mama open the door. You always open the door for her. You're not just jumping in the car, getting on your electronics. No, no. You go around, open her door, and you presence her. I want my children to honor their mother. And guess what? She knows how imperfect I am, but she always speaks well of her man. What would happen in a marriage if we brought honor back into the relationship? Kids, the Bible says to honor your father and mother. In fact, of all the commandments in the scriptures, the Bible says this is the first commandment with a promise. You know what the promise is? That it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Come on, somebody. You know what happens, and I really feel this, if you sow seeds of honor to your parents, then you will reap the fruit of honor with your children. If we take care of our parents in their older age, respecting them, honoring them, it starts when we're little, but we can do it all throughout our lifetime. I believe that when we reach that season in life, there'll be plenty of honor for us to walk in. Are you with me? I know I need to wrap this thing up. My goodness, that clock is just moving way too fast. Honor up, honor down, honor all around. Let me wrap this up, ask the band to come up. The Bible says this Roman centurion, he understood authority, but he carried a spirit of honor, and look what happened. The final thought is this. Number three, the supernatural was released. His servant that had been sick It didn't even require the presence or the visitation of Jesus. Jesus spoke the word and the supernatural happened. Now notice the recipe for a miracle. Okay, eyes on me, one, two, three, eyes on me. I know there's a lot of distraction right now, but dial into this. Understanding authority, when it's coupled with a spirit of honor, miracles happen. This is the centurion difference. Here's the thought that I had, and I want to wrap this up. And I did a poor job of crossing the finish line on this. I'm sorry. We probably should have split this up into a series. But remember the time that Jesus went back to his hometown? Remember at the height of his ministry, miracles are happening, crazy things. I mean, people getting saved and, and healed and delivered and all kinds of stuff. He goes back into his hometown of Nazareth. The Bible says that people looked at him and said, wait a second. We know this kid. 
He's the the carpenter's son. We know his mother, his brothers, and his sisters. The Bible says that the people of Nazareth were offended at Jesus because they treated him common, lightly, okay? What did Jesus say? Jesus said a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown. And the Bible says he could do not, he couldn't do any miracles at all. Only lay his hands on a few and a few cigarettes. He couldn't do any miraculous signs. Why? Because of their disrespect. You see where we're going now? And the Bible says he marveled. He was amazed. Now watch this. Anything that amazes Jesus is kind of a big deal. And we better look at The centurion amazed Jesus because of his spirit of honor. Now, Nazareth amazes Jesus because of their lack of honor. Watch this. If disrespect blocks the supernatural, then honor releases the supernatural. You see that? When you add honor into the equation, honor empowers God and it blesses you. You see, dishonor disables, but honor empowers. And my challenge to you is this. My question is this. Where do you need to see the supernatural in your life? If you need it in your marriage, bring honor into the equation. If you need it with your children, then bring honor into the equation. If you need something supernatural at work, bring honor into the equation with your boss. If you need to see something happening at school, come on now, then you bring honor into that. And I believe the supernatural will be released. Can I have a good amen? Come on, you believe that today? Put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.